All right, we are back. Finally. Uh, that was weird. Uh, I had problems with sound. And then um, I was trying. I tried like two or three times to, to get logged on. I don't know if it was Facebook or Sermon Audio. Uh but I have a stream indicator on this software on Wirecast. And it tells me it flashes green or just stays green uh, if I'm streaming out like I'm supposed to. If we stream to Facebook and we stream to uh, Sermon Audio. One of those feeds, or both of them, uh, was going in and out. Mainly out. And... Um, so I'm like, okay, well, here we go, start of a new week. All right, uh, let me get right into it. Uh, let me put us over here, click that, there we go. Now, I want to start, I want to start here, Matthew 24. Now, this is, uh, I will say, um, with some people, Matthew 24 is taboo. In other words, um, and see this microphone keeps sliding out too. Anyway, um, with some people, Matthew 24 is off limits when you get ready to talk about Bible prophecy or uh, the rapture or anything like that. And it's because, um, I will say of, of some, maybe not all, but some who are of a dispensational uh, mindset, that Matthew 24 has absolutely nothing to do with our translation into heaven. That's, that's their premise. So therefore, um, Matthew 24 is not relevant, nor should it even be considered as part of your, um, when, you, when you sit down to try to understand the Scriptures according to, I, I would say, um, hyper-dispensationalist, they say leave it leave it out of your equation. Take it out. Don't don't read it. Don't buy into it. Certainly, certainly. My goodness, don't say that the rapture happens immediately after the tribulation of those days. Well, let's read it. Uh, I would rather. I would rather get my understanding even if I don't understand everything I would rather get my understanding right from the scriptures than get it from a man or or a woman I, I would rather do it that way I would rather get it right I would rather go to the source read the source and even be wrong on one or two things rather than letting a man say this is this is how you must believe got it so anyway um and it all revolves around verse 29 in Matthew chapter 24 immediately after the tribulation of those days now your standard, run-of-the-mill, average, hyper-dispensationalist will say, that's the seven-year tribulation. All right? Or as they like to say, the great tribulation. Even though the phrase, the great tribulation, is not in the King James Bible. Great tribulation is, but it's not. It's not mentioned as the 
great tribulation. But they say that this tribulation period lasts seven years. So therefore, the rapture cannot be here because our maps, I, I happen to have some here. Our maps have it all laid out of what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and nobody, anybody who challenges us is automatically deemed as wrong. So you have, they even write it down here, like fifth dispensation. Um, let's see here. Fifth dispensation, legal. Sixth dispensation, right here. Sixth dispensation. And then the seventh dispensation. It's all mapped out. But I have a problem. Because their repeated statements are that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, uh, all three Johns, Jude, Revelation, those are not for us. Those books of the Bible are not for us. That we don't get our doctrine from there. We don't. Our, we're not saved by that. By Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I've I've had people actually preachers, renowned preachers, actually say that. Did you know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four Gospels, they don't have anything to do with our salvation? And I'm like, that's, that's ridiculous. If we, if we go by their version of the Gospel, which is 1 Corinthians 15, Paul mentioned the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Where do we find the death, burial, resurrection of Christ? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So how come is it I'm saved by the gospel, but by not by those gospels? How is that? I, I just, I don't get it. There's a lot of things in there, in their teaching and in their doctrine that I just cannot sign off on. But anyway, immediately after the tribulation of those days, if you look at every place in the Bible... And I've done this before where you find the word tribulation. You're going to see that overwhelmingly so. Um, here's the parable of the seed and the sower. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the sword, by and by he is offended. Um tribulation or persecution imagine that because if we were to look in matthew 24 then that's exactly what we'll see in verse 9 it says then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake and i ask all of god's people what is wrong with us being hated by the world? What is it that's so bad and so offensive about being hated by all the nations of the world for the sake of Jesus Christ? What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong as far as I'm concerned. I, I, now, I'm not looking forward to, to a day when I'm delivered to be afflicted and killed. I, I, I'm not looking forward to that. If that's the lot that God has cast for my life, then so be it. I don't have to be happy about it right now. Anyway, so yeah, and, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Listen, 
That is brewing right now, especially in this country. You have, um, you have hatred among races in this country. And though that hatred was stirred up by people of power behind the scenes. It didn't come from the people itself. People were set up to protest and to uh, to divide the nation by racial profiles. That was done to us, but the average average person didn't do that. Um, and now you have a division in this country over: Do you support Palestine or do you support? Israel. Well, I can tell you as a matter of principle, you support Israel and just let everybody else alone. Support Israel. Bless Israel. Do not curse Israel. Um, but now you have a, a clear division where you have people in America who are, who are siding with the terrorists in saying Go ahead and drive all the Jews into the Mediterranean Sea. Does this not sound like Germany in the 1930s and 1940s? Does it not sound like that? Where before anything else happened, Adolf Hitler um, directed... The brown shirts, which was the Schutz stuffle, um, you know, just guys. It was like a private police organization that Hitler had. Uh, I think Himmler was in charge of them. But basically, they went around marking Jewish businesses. And then it got to where if you were a Jew, you had to wear the, the Jewish uh, star on your, on your clothing on a patch on your arm or whatever, you had to be constantly identified as a Jew. And if somebody didn't want to do business with you, they didn't have to. And then it came to Hitler um, stole everything that was in their bank accounts. He froze Jewish bank accounts and stole their money. Then, uh, removed their ability to do whatever business it was that they did. And then the next step was put them on the trains, take them to the concentration camps. Oh, by the way, be sure and get their gold teeth out. Because one of the things that American troops found on their way as they were marching toward Berlin, they were going and checking out all these caves because they knew that Hitler and Himmler and others, Gehring and others, had stored a lot of the, the treasure that Germany stole during World War II. They hid them in these caves, and they went and found in these caves big piles of Jewish gold teeth that was going to be melted down into gold bars and enrich Adolf Hitler and his war machine. And what, what we're seeing right now, people, is exactly what took place in Germany. 1933, 1934, 35, 36, and so on. Was that you had, it's almost like, do your patriotic duty as an American and hate Jews. That's what you have going on in this country right now. We are the new Germany. And that, that in itself is fueled by the spirits that are behind this. Principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. Those spirits, that dragon, wants the Jewish people dead, gone, eliminated forever. Why? 
because God made prophecies and promises based upon those people. And if we can eradicate those people, then those promises and prophecies are null and void. Mm. I'll be honest with you. I did not see that coming. I thought, surely, our nation, in its educational system, would educate boys and girls with the correct understanding of what happened in Hitler or in Germany during World War II so that we would not repeat the mistakes that were made in Germany. There's an article on Drudge Report today where that says that Brazil is dealing with a new form and a new wave of Nazism, neo-Nazism. It's, it's rising back up again. And its target will always be the Jewish people. What a world. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. That's just, just type in the word Karen on any search engine and go to any video uh, dealer, uh, whether it's YouTube or any others, and just type in the word Karen and you're going to see just how bad we hate our neighbors in this country. It's it's bad and it's getting worse. Um, and many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And I tell you, I, you know, since I since I showed you last week, uh, what that guy I think his name was Mark Bowles or something like that. What I showed you last week concerning him, I I've been seeing some other videos by him and his cohorts, his compadres, his um, comrades, as it were. And all of them, all of them, from Mark Verkler, uh, all of them have as an agenda to get those who say they believe in Jesus Christ, those who say they believe in the Holy Spirit, They believe in God the Father. They believe in salvation by grace through faith. To get those people removed from the pure doctrines of the Bible away, get them moved away from those doctrines to the doctrines of dreams, visions, signs, symbols, private prophecies, private interpretations of prophecies, and so on, and so on, and so on. They talk about how you, uh, one lady wrote some mega book on how to interpret your dreams because they, they, they believe that God speaks to them every night through their dreams. They believe that their dreams have some sort of prophetic power. And I heard this uh, over the weekend. A lady who does some kind of thing with with this group uh, on on uh, interpreting dreams. Um, she said, "Once you have the dream, and it's from God, and once you have it interpreted, then you you have to put legs on the dream. You have to make the dream get up." And go do what the dream was supposed to do. You have to do this. You have to do that. Do you see what's happening? They're turning our faith from a religion of done back to a religion of you must do. In other words, God gives this this dream to you, this vision... But he's up in heaven helpless because you won't activate the dream. You won't get it going. You won't make it work. 
And I don't recall any dream or any vision in the Bible, let's say that Nebuchadnezzar had or Pharaoh or anybody else for that matter, where they had to, they, where they said, oh, you've got to put legs on those dreams now. You've got to make those things happen. That was God showing you what could be, but it's up to you to make that happen. That is not the doctrines of the New Testament. It's not. Um, so let me go back to verse 29. Well, look at verse 21. For then shall great then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. I mean, what are we talking about here? We're talking about massive earthquakes. And you can say, well, I, you know, I don't live in an earthquake zone, so that's, that's probably not going to bother us. We're fine. We're, we're going to be okay. Yeah, but what about the rest of the country? What about how merchandise has moved in this country? We've already seen that earthquakes can destroy bridges, overpasses, railroad lines, gas lines. We've already seen that. And so when earthquakes happen, mark it down. Everybody's going to be affected. Everybody is. Earthquakes, pestilences, those are diseases brought on by animals of some kind. Uh, wars, rumors of war. Nation against nation, not nations against nations, but nation against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. I believe that's the kingdom of, I believe that's Satan's kingdom versus God's kingdom. I already know who's going to win. I've already picked the side that I'm going to be on. Okay? I've already got that done. Um, all of these things taking place. Um, and keep this in mind, people. This verse right here, verse 24. In fact, this makes it easy to remember. Matthew 24, 24. 24, 24. That's two days. Okay? 24 hours, 24 hours. Matthew 24, 24 says, It is not possible to deceive the truly which is what very means. Very is not a, a grade or a level that you attain to. Well, you're the elect, but I'm very elect. I'm much more elect than you are. How does that work? How does that work? If, you, if God picks two people, and he chooses both of them for his service and his kingdom. Are they not equals? Are they not? Or do you believe that one may receive a, an inferior salvation experience than the other? So, very elect does not mean a grade of of saved or a grade of the type of person who serves Christ. Well, you know, you can be the elect, but not the very elect. Very means, it comes from the, uh, the Latin word veritas, which means it's where we get the word verify and very. And it means truthfully or truly. If it, it is not possible to deceive the very elect, keep that in mind. God will not let you fall away if you are truly his. Now, if you're just playing games, if you're just living a committed life, committed to living out, all of your sinful fantasies, then stinks to be you. Um, now, 
immediately after the tribulation of those, he doesn't say weeks, months, or years, or decades, or millenniums. He says days. After the tribulation of those days. Some people like to stop right here and say, well, immediately after the tribulation. Well, finish reading the verse. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. We can find that event in Revelation chapter 6. Isaiah 13, Isaiah 34, uh, Ezekiel 32. Um, You're going to find it uh, in, um, let's see, the sun be darkened. Acts chapter 2, Joel chapter 2. You're going to find that event in several places. The sun shall be darkened. The moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven. Revelation 6, Revelation 12, um, Daniel, I forgot what chapter, but the host of heaven shall fall. He, he shall cast them to the ground. Uh, Isaiah Again, Isaiah 13, Isaiah 34, Joel chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and so on. But the stars shall fall from heaven. That is, I believe, your fourth kingdom. When they fall, they will come down to earth and assume control over the earth by means of unification with them. They're going to come, but they've already been sending out the message. These angels, these devils, they've already been sending out the message to the New Agers, to the Hindus, uh, to people of various religions, to the UFO people. They've been sending out their message to them, saying, we're going to come, we're going to unify mankind, we're going we're to join you with our collective. We are the Borg. Resistance is futile. We will assimilate you into our collective. All right? The stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. That phrase, shaken, is precisely what was recorded for us in Revelation chapter 6. Because John said, I saw these figs falling off this fig tree. Like, uh, or he said, I saw the stars fall from heaven, and it looked like, If someone took a fig tree full of figs and shook it, or the wind, an untimely wind, came and shook that tree, and all those figs started falling down off of that tree, God says, that's how how it's going to be. So you shake the trees, you shake heaven, you shake earth, and when you shake the heavens and the earth, Then you select out of that only those who remain standing. And again, I believe that God will give his very elect the ability to strengthen their feeble knees so that they do not collapse underneath us so that we do not fall in the evil day. We will stand in the evil day. God is making us a promise that it's going to be that way. And then he said, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, with power and great glory. Hallelujah. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together. Oh, look at it. They shall gather together his elect. Now, 
your um, average, standard, run-of-the-mill hyperdispensationalist will say, well, only, only Israel is referred to as the elect. How true is that? How true is that? Well, let's see here. Romans 8, 33. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his... See, it didn't take long to figure out the answer to this question. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for the Jews only? No, for us. Because we are the elect. Um, oh, look at Romans 9.11. Since you're looking at 9-11 verses. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Because we say in Christianity that we did not choose Christ. Christ chose us. And we know this. Jesus Christ laid it on my heart as a nine-year-old boy at a Bible camp, summer Bible camp in June, hearing the words of a missionary to France, preaching the gospel, laid it on my heart to be saved that night. And I've never been the same since then. Obviously, because I turned 10 the year later. There you go. Um, Romans eleven five. Even so, then at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Not only are we elect, we're the election of grace. But the election hath obtained it. And yet you can say, well, he's speaking of Israel there. Yeah. He's speaking of us too. Um, how about Colossians 3.12? Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, and so on. Are we, ele- are we the elect of God or not? Uh, yeah, we are. We are. Uh, so is Israel, those whom God elects from every tribe, but that does not mutually exclude us. We're part of that election. We are part of the Israel of God. Um, let's see here. So they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Um, that gathering, we type that in. There's all, there's bunches and bunches and bunches of 463 verses of gathering verses. I won't look, I won't look at those, but do your own study of Uh, Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord hath commanded that ye should do them. Right there, in this verse here, Exodus 35.1, you can see clearly that a, a typology, a prophetic type, where Moses gathers the people, causes them to hear God's word. That is a foreshadowing of Christ in the last days, gathering together the 12 tribes of Israel and then causing them to know him. 
the Word of God. Uh, and you can just, I mean, just go through the Bible and study this idea of gathering. But anyway, back in Matthew 24, back, meanwhile, back at the ranch, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put it forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. Now, a lot of, a lot of people, uh, I'll say, I won't put them in boxes or categories, will say, well, the fig tree is Israel. Israel's the fig tree. And the budding of the fig tree took place in uh, 1947 when Israel became a state. And so, therefore, if we count 40 years, because that's a generation. If we count 40 years from 1947, that puts us in 1987. Jesus will come back in 1987. No, he didn't. He didn't. So apparently he didn't mean that. Well, I, I didn't mean 1947. I meant 1948. You know, when they actually did it. Oh, okay. So it means Jesus is going to come back in 1988. No, he didn't didn't come back then either. Now you're making it up. Well, uh, you know, uh, a real generation is is 70 years. So it would be 70 years from 1947. So we have 1947, 1957, 67, 77, 87, 97, 2007, 27... Hmm. That would be 70 years, 2017. He didn't come back, did he? That wasn't what he was referring to, was it? Because Luke, Luke, uh, if I type this in, you're going to find out that Luke said something different. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. So let's go back now. Now, learn a parable of the fig tree. Let's let's ask Jesus what he was referring to when he gave the parable of the fig tree. Let's ask Christ, shall we? Now, learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, put it forth leaves. You know that summer is nigh. So, likewise ye, when ye shall see Israel become a nation. No, no, that's not what it says. When ye shall see all these things. These things. Know that it is near even at the doors. It's going to be at the doors. And it's going to be knocking one of these days. I don't know when. Don't ask me when. I'm not telling you when. I don't know when. But I'll tell you this. On the day that I know, you'll know too. Okay? Guarantee you guarantee it and it won't it won't come from me it just won't so he doesn't say that the fig tree is of any significance to Israel whatsoever he's saying learn the parable of the fig tree when you see the branch being tender and it putting forth leaves well then you know you know and how do we know this Because we've seen it every year. My grandfather, my people, don't you make fun of that. Uh, I was his best buddy, man. And um, we used to go fishing together and all kinds of things. Man, I got good memories of a good grandpa. But he had a fig tree out by his garden. And uh, I used to love it when we'd go down to visit my grandparents in Jacksonville, Arkansas. And um, when the figs were ripe, because people would always say, Mike, come on, let's go. Let's go pick some figs. And we'd go out there and 
pick them, man. They, oh, they're good. Woo, sweet. Man. So I get that. I'd go, every time we go down there, i go check that fig tree. Do they got figs on them? Can I eat them? When you see that, know that it's nigh. When you see all of this here, that's what he's saying. Uh, so likewise, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass. This what? This generation. Now, forget that this is something to do with a time frame. Forget that. Think of it as a genetic line. Think of it as a a species. And it would be the human species. It would be the generation of those who live on the earth, those who are, uh, let's see here, this generation shall not pass all these things be fulfilled. I believe that there is coming for both saved and unsaved a time of rebirth. Let me tell you what I where I get that from. First Peter, second Peter. Um, is that where I want to go? No, it's in chapter one. Um, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So I believe that this verse tells us that there is a rebirth that's going to take place, a genetic rebirth, the great reset, as it were. It's going to take place, and there will be a drastic and immediate and all-encompassing and an irreversible genetic alteration of both sinner and saint. To the saint, they will be born again of incorruptible seed. Incorruptible. To the sinner, the unrepentant sinner, they will have a born-again day, but it will be from corruptible seed. It will be, then they will become sons of Belial, children of Belial, and so on. I'm working on a script, and I'm, and I'm kind of stuck with it. Um, I don't know quite where to go. But it has to do with the birthing of the Antichrist. The birthing of the Antichrist. Because I believe the, all the prophecies and all the typologies in the Bible point us in the direction of the appearance of a child the appearance of a son who is going to be uh, born into this world. Um, let me get a, an, a, an image of what I'm thinking. Let's see if I can remember it. Um, There it is. Google already knows what I'm looking for. Let me put that up on the screen. Yeah. 
It's this right here. The Latin here says filius noster. What that means is our son. S-O-N. The sun and the moon had a baby. Light and darkness joined themselves together and conceived a son who's in the sea. Do you get that? And he is holding the globe of the the world in his hand and he's holding the caduceus of DNA in his hand as well. That's his scepter. That's what gives him the right to rule over mankind. And that scepter is given to him by God. So him carrying this, this is a, you know, we use that now as a healing symbol. Put it on ambulances and hospitals and, and, you know, infirmaries and dispensaries and all kinds of places. But we put that sign there, the caduceus, to show that this is a place where you can have your ailments healed. You can have your diseases healed or you can have death healed. And so in this painting or this, this sketch... From, what, 1705? Um, Occult art. The the magnum opus. Magnum opus means great work. But it basically is an esoteric symbol representing the Antichrist. that That he's the son of something. What would he be the son of? The son of Belial, thou child of the devil. That's what he would be a son of. So, I do, I absolutely believe, go back to Matthew 24. Um, This generation refers to a genetic line that will not pass away until these things are fulfilled. When they're fulfilled... Then the generation will pass away. Because I believe then, according to this passage, that we will receive our new bodies. So let's go to uh, the new body parts. <laughs> new body parts, get it? First uh, Thessalonians 4, new body parts of the body, uh, the Bible. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Boy, they'll need it. They'll need some rebirth, won't they? Uh, I'm sorry, he's dead. Well, I think he's going to get better. Uh, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And then, and I found, um, let me do this. I didn't know this before, but in every chapter of 1 Thessalonians, there's a reference to the appearing of Christ. Um Let's see here. Where is it in chapter 1? Ah, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from what? The wrath to come. He didn't deliver us from tribulation. Delivered us from the wrath to come. Now let's look at chapter 2. Let's see if we can find it. Uh, Let's see here. Where is it? Uh, walk worthy of God for this cause. Thank we God without ceasing. You brethren become followers of. Uh, let's see. We're both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets. Uh, let's see. Ah, here it is. 
For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Hooray! For ye are our glory. Let's find it in chapter 3. Uh, let's see. Forbear, Timotheus, no man should be moved. Verily, for this cause, Timotheus... Brethren, we now live or say, for what thanks can we render to God? Night and day, praying. Now God himself and our Father, the Lord make you to increase. Yeah, it's probably going to be, oh yeah, here it is. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Isn't that something? And then, you know, for, then 1 Thessalonians 5, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety. Now, have you ever wondered who says that? Have you ever wondered that? Who? I mean, he says, For when they shall say and you know that's that's how in america that's how we americans uh pass on information that we've heard from some other source that we think is reliable we'll say something like you know they say it'll probably be raining by thursday who says that they they do you know they say that uh them COVID shots are completely 100% safe. Who says that? Well, they do. Well, you know, they say that, you know, this and they say that. And I, I just think there's got to be a, like an 800 number. 1-800-THEY-SAY, where you can dial it up and get all this Worthless information every day to, you know, to amaze your friends. Who is it that's going to say peace and safety? I have a, I have a theory. And it, all it is is a theory, mind you. I don't have any f- factual basis on it. But I, I, let's say that the, the ones who are saying peace and safety will be the angels that fall from heaven that will come down to the earth to rule over planet earth and all of its people. When they come down and they put a stop to all the wars, listen, um, One of the things that we know of the UFO thing is that they have made their presence known at nuclear or atomic bomb sites. In 1947, the only place in the entire world where atomic bombs were stored was Roswell, New Mexico, the Roswell Army Air Base. That was before the Air Force. It was the only place where that had atomic bombs. And so, lo and behold, you've got UFOs there. Then you have in Montana in the 60s. Uh, this has been reported over and over again. Uh, Robert Salas, I believe is his name. He was on duty down in underground, in the underground missile silo bunker. Uh, you know, where they turned the keys to launch the missiles. He's got 10 ICBMs there, Minuteman missiles. And all he's doing is waiting for the codes to come in, and he sends his missiles flying. Well, lo and behold, these UFOs come, and they shut down all 10 missiles. I mean, shut them down from the electronics and the missiles themselves to the electronics in the uh, panels that the guys underground were working. Um, 
in the Disclosure Project. They were test firing a missile. And uh, as it's going up, they, they were, there was a, a couple of guys that were filming it. And when they developed the film, they sent they didn't think nothing of it. They just sent the film to their superior officers and they got a call in and they said, uh, was you guys playing around with this film? It's no. What do you mean? So they played the film and they showed this rocket taking off and it's up in the upper atmosphere. And all of a sudden this UFO comes in and it it goes and and goes around it and stops four times and hits it with some kind of ray beam. And on that fourth time afterward, the rocket disintegrated and exploded and the UFO took off. And then you have um, um, the UFO event that happened in England at the uh, RAF Bentwaters uh, location where there was NATO nuclear missiles stored there under treaty. They were basically American nuclear missiles, but they were stored on a British air base because of the NATO treaty. They were stored there because that was going to be like a first defense against Russia in case Russia decided to start another war. And then you have these UFOs and you have testimony from guys saying that they, you know, were examining with some kind of rays or something like that these uh, underground things where these nuclear missiles were stored. This was like the early 80s. Um, so it makes me wonder. When I read uh, John Mack's book, Abducted, and I read other books about alien abductions, and when I hear the, the children from the, um, uh, from the aerial elementary school in Zimbabwe, who's, when they made contact, when they made eye contact with the, uh, the alien devils that were floating out of this silver craft, when these students made eye contact with them, implanted in their mind was visions of the earth burning and the earth being destroyed because of man and his technology and man and his warfare and on it. And it, was, it was basically evil man. And that is a consistent theme in the whole UFO phenomenon is that at times when there is an, uh, an, an abduction taking place, the aliens are constantly trying to feed this idea into these people that humans are destroying this planet and they are coming here to put a stop to that. They're going to be the saviors of this world. So it's possible that the fallen angels who are being kicked out of heaven, and so they are coming to live here. And the only way to do that is to join themselves with mankind. And as they come down here, they will institute what they want mankind to believe will be a new age of world peace. And safety. That's who I think is going to be saying peace and safety. Uh, well, thank you for forbearing with me today. Sorry about uh, the problem at the beginning, but we got them fixed and we're rolling along. Um, tell me what you think. Write a comment down here if you're watching this on YouTube. Write a comment down there. Like and subscribe to our channel. That helps us. We don't monetize. I'm not doing this for money. But that helps us broaden our base because then YouTube says, hey, People are watching this 
Bonehead Hoggard here. Maybe other boneheads would like to listen to the Chief Bonehead. Sounds good to me. So like and subscribe. Leave a comment because that helps generate YouTube. I don't know, something. But it, it, it works, okay? Just, just do it. All right. Even if you don't like the video, if you don't like what I said, put a comment down there, okay? Think Bible.